spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Hi guys, it's Andien. Thanks today for downloading or streaming yet another episode of Spoken Label. As you may or may not be aware, Spoken Label was started in the beginning of 2006. And currently we have well over 150 sessions recorded since then. Although you can find it on various networks, the full archive is available for streaming and downloading at Spoken Label, full stop, bandcamp.com. It is a free download or free streaming there. But obviously, if you feel like chucking me a few pennies that way, it would be eternally grateful to help me keep this podcast going and keep improving my equipment, etc. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Andy N. Spoken Label. Back in the house again today on this lovely sunny afternoon in Manchester. Now, I'm back on Zoom again today, and I've got a gentleman on the phone who's, by the look of it, because it's probably as varied in his upbringing on the creative side as I am. So, great. Do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them who you are, where, what sunny part of the country you, you come from, and lead us into where all your creativity originally came from and what's taken from that. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's great here. Um... And I live in St Albans. Uh, always lived in this this part of the world. Really, my my uh, my uh, family are, are half from London and, and half from up near Blackpool. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, and I've been I've been writing poetry uh, since I was really really young. And, and the the influence for that was definitely my mum. You know, one, one of the first things really I remember about uh, the, the use of words and, and the creative use of words was my mum would write poems quite often about um, little local issues. So if there was something like people were writing into the local paper about the fact that youths were drinking cider in the middle of town and people were worried about it or whatever, my mum would write a poem about this and send it into the local paper. Um, and quite often they would print her poems. Um, and this would somehow kind of diffuse situations a bit people would uh, get a little bit less het up and and perhaps see 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 different angles um, and and other people's um other people's angles from from, from my mum's poetry and i loved that and that was a huge huge influence and so I, I saw that that power the potential power of of poetry and creativity through my mum from that crazy early age really yeah. Now that you mentioned about your mum, obviously, and I know you said about you said before your mum's no longer no longer with us, sadly. But was your mum quite a comical writer? Was she? Or was she quite a serious poet? She did both. Um, oh, so like as that. a kid, as a kid, the poems that we saw were quite often those ones that did have uh, a, a humour or, 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 or almost like a punchline <laughs> to oh, yeah. them. Um, oh, that was 
what was kind of interesting was, I, I, I mean, a little bit heartbreaking, if I'm honest, was when she passed away, um, I've, we've, I've, we found the box of all the poems that she'd never shared, those ones that she'd written for herself, um, which, of course, were the, were the more serious and, and um, um, sort of soul-searching uh, poems, which, which, some of which were very hard to read at that point. Oh, yeah. um, but, 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 but equally as good, equally as strong. Um, so just for her, in fact, just for her sort of friends and family, we, we um, after her death, we, we produced a little book with combining uh, some of the funny ones and some of those serious ones as well. Yeah, yeah, of course, and that makes sense. Now, you were telling me off mic before, just before we started, and um, you've, your, your reading taste was, I put it bluntly, quite extraordinary for a seven, eight, nine-year-old. <laughs> so tell us about when, what led you into reading Shakespeare and Chaucer? You're seven, eight, nine. That's that's extraordinary. It was. I mean, I was. People probably thought I was such a weird little kid. (laughs) I'll tell you what it was. It was. It was. um, I had wonderful English teachers, both at primary school and secondary school. And and to be honest with you, I was rubbish at everything else. It was pretty much the only thing I could I could do. So the fact that there was a teacher actually sort of patting me on the back and saying, you're doing okay, I, I grasped this, you know, with both hands and just loved it. So everything they put my way and I, I would read and, 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 and absorb and love. So, yeah, as I say, um, and obviously, I mean, with something like Chaucer, funny enough, I think because you've got the kind of bawdy humour <laughs> in oh, yeah. there, actually it works really well when you when you like an eight, nine-year-old kid. You can you can see the jokes in there, and it, and it's kind of it's sort of on your level in a funny way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, completely. Yeah, it's just I was amazed about like it. What was your first play in Shakespeare? You reckon? Oh, as a kid, then can you remember that? Um, Macbeth. Um. So so we did we did Macbeth at, at our primary school, <laughs> and um, and and again in a funny way I think because you know I I mean I because it's. It's so gruesome and, and yeah. murderous. And, <laughs> I read it was 14. It shocked me that piece at the time. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But it's fun. But those, you know, the ideas in it, the idea of the forest moving down on, on the castle, all those sort of visions. I can remember reading them and just being um, transfixed. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely loved it. So, yeah, it was so for a while. It was, <laughs> it was Shakespeare was the guy. <laughs> Love it. I was hard reading that. I think I was reading the Bean on the Dandy at that age. And you were reading Shakespeare George. Now, obviously, um, seriously, obviously, I know you got to level 12, didn't you? You tasted and changed a bit. You were telling me about David Bowie before, weren't you, when you got to level 12? Yeah, so, absolutely. It was, I think he was, he was definitely one of the first people. It was the Aladdin Sane album. And, and um, the first, I think the first, single of any note that I, that I bought was Driving Saturday by David Bowie and it was that thing that, that it was definitely it was it was the lyrics and the, 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 this the strength of the lyrics um, his use of words which which really appealed to me and I, I found fascinating and then and then of course having been drawn in I, I you sort of go back to and with an album like Hunky Dory you've got actually quite straight poems being used in between songs with albums like that, and so from there on, it at this 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 um, 
fascination with uh, lyricists, uh, performers who who were, um, who, who were using the the, the the strength of words that that powerfully along with music was. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Did did you did you carry on following Bowie for the rest of his career? Did you? I did. So fortunately, I got to see him a couple of times. Yeah, I did um, as well. I saw him on the outside tour in '95. Was it? Okay. That, that was one where we did it with Trent Reznor for Nine Inch Nails. That was an extraordinary night. I'm not going to forget either. So that, yeah. I can remember that one because that was when um, the, the, the Nine Inch Nails came on, did an hour, then Bowie came on, played a couple of songs with Nine Inch Nails, and part of Nine Inch Nails went on, and Trent Reznor stayed on, and Bowie's band came on. They just kept playing straight for the whole night. It was three hours solid. Wow. Yeah, it was some gigs. So. When, when did you see Bowie live then? Um, so the first time was the Serious Moonlight tour, uh, which was at Milton Keynes, and then later I saw I saw him at Glastonbury. The, the, his Glastonbury performance was amazing because it it was he he did what the people wanted, which was a pure kind of greatest hits set. But he, but he, you could tell he was really really relishing it, really enjoying it. Yeah, uh, of course, of course. And and, and yeah, great great show. Yeah. What did you think to his last album, Black Star? I loved it. Actually, I loved the last two albums. Oh yeah, the open the other day the one was called. Yeah, yes, yeah. Two really extraordinary albums. And only, yeah. only Bowie could go and do for me is an album talking directly about his death. Then he dies two does it two days after it came out or something like that. I know, and it is. I mean, it's so. Though I go those last two albums, I, I keep going back to again and again. They're so so amazing. Yeah, great story. Um, and actually, I, that that the just after he died, we were I was on tour um, performing with it with a couple couple of the guys from my band in, in uh, and we were in Berlin, and we went on a little pilgrimage to the um, the street where he and Iggy Pop had lived in Berlin, and oh, wow. um, just, and just kind of stood outside their flat, and, and in fact the cafe next door had a big black star in in the window. Uh, you know, obviously from 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 the album, and and it was just yeah, it it, it felt like something we re we really needed to do. It was just we, we, didn't, we didn't really know what what to do once we got there. We just knew we wanted to kind of go there and stand. In <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. That makes perfect sense. Now you were telling me as well when you got to fifteen. It seems like it was development in you as a person all along. Really, you're talking about Patty. You love Patty Smith, didn't you as well? Yeah, and when you, when you first heard Piss Factory. When yeah. I was about, I was about the same age, and I heard that as well. I remember it's an extraordinary song. That's for it, sure. It, it, it was a genuine epiphany, you know. Um, that that pure visceral combination of of um, of poetry and rock and roll. It, it's so something so pure about it. Um, it's like she stripped everything back, taking us back to, to sort of you know, ground zero. It, it's an amazing piece. Um, and, I, and I still go back to it again and again. And I don't think it's lost any of its power over the years. Um, the, the, the anger and the bile and, and, you know, this this small town girl desperate to escape uh, and using her words to do that, using her voice to do that. Uh, there's something incredibly powerful about it. I still love Patty Smith. And, and, and fingers crossed, we've, we're actually, we've got tickets to go see her later in the year, if by that point things have opened again. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed. It's very hard to judge what way things are going. Lots of yeah. So, so, you. You know, she was, and, and from Patty Smith, there was obviously around her, you had, you had Richard Hell, who'd come from the same 
uh, stable really of starting with 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 poetry and and then combining it with rock and roll um, developed my love for for Leonard Cohen uh, I was also very fortunate later that one of the bands I was in we got to support John Cooper Clark oh wow wow and that was again obviously that you know such an influence and so being able to hang out with John backstage and and, and chat to him um, was was a, a real blessing. I mean, that, that was a, yeah, a lovely moment. You you're telling me as well, obviously, before we talked as well, that music's always enough to pass you people might guess in your life. But poetry was always there about the same time, wasn't it? And it took you quite a long while for the poetry to come to the forefront more, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, so as I say, when, when I was a kid, I, I would always walk around with this little notebook and write the poems. Then when the, when the music kicked in, really, so, so, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it was the sort of post-punk period. Um, the music side came to the fore. Uh, I was still writing poems, but but really, I was concentrating on lyrics, and and, and that that was where where I was at. Um, but then, uh, about about twenty years ago, I had the uh, that my kind of breakdown moment, and and I was I was um, uh, left. Uh, left sort of uh, with, with all, all those classic things that so many others have, have shared of, of the anxiety and the depression and the feeling lost and helpless and and that was when I kind of re rediscovered the my um, my love of, of performing poetry of actually sharing poetry and I, and I wanted to um, that that was the format that I found most useful for Forget, for getting my feelings out at that time, and 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 finding that there were others that were that were uh, were sharing similar experiences through through poetry, and and being able to share with them in, in different places, different pages, and um, had a, had a few things published in in magazines, uh, sometimes with that sort of perspective that it was about mental health issues, and others just. Uh, it usually is a poetry style, at least. I always find so. Yeah, completely. <laughs> so it was great. It also led me to other sort of areas. I started reading um, uh, sort of um, ancient Buddhist poetry around that time as well. You know. Um, yeah, and yeah, completely. Yeah, I'm, I'm an ex-full Buddhist, ex Buddhist myself. Just don't get time for it nowadays. But yeah, I mean, it does help me, doesn't it? Like to learn to reevaluate yourself completely of everything. So I'm oh, great stuff. Totally, totally, yeah. And it was, and it was from there really that, as a, um, uh, so looking for places to share online and 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 become parts of, of sort of poetry communities. And I and I was sort of um, finding it difficult to find a, a page that I thought that I felt particularly comfortable sharing with. So so I started this little page called the Poetry Underground um, on Facebook. Um, and that's that's sort of slowly developed into a lovely little community. Um, we we actually had our first. It's been going now for for quite some years, but we actually had our first ever. Due to the lockdown, we decided to do a, a poetry underground live online gig. Oh, fantastic! How did how did that go? It was great. I mean, I mean, obviously, all those problems of, of people at the last minute discovering they can't see where the live video button oh. is and. You know, all the, yeah, <laughs> all the yeah. things I'm that are all at the moment. But, 
but it was beautiful. It was a lovely little, lovely little sharing. So over the course of about two hours, I think we had about nine, nine or ten poets came on and and did um, two or three poems each. So a whole sort of evening of of guerrilla online poetry happening. Um, wow, which was lovely. It was lovely. And, and the first time that a lot of us had actually sort of met each other because we've all oh, been yeah. sharing wow. it. This wow. Space. Um, but not seen each other's faces really. So, uh, <laughs> oh, it's typical. That is, it's what is the one with this virus and I think it's done that's really good. It's it's let people that are poets interact with other poets from sometimes other countries even that mm. certainly may have never, may have never met before. And certainly over this period, I've met like a couple of poets in South Africa and Italy and Australia. You know, it's it's interesting, really interesting yeah. time. Yeah. No, it is. It, you're absolutely right. It, it, in, a, in a funny way, it's made it's made the, the world even smaller, hasn't it? Because because it not not only are we are we all spending more time staring at our computer screens, but we we all have this shared problem. Yeah, it's like yeah. wherever you are in the world, we're actually going through ex, through the same thing. We're all experiencing this same thing, which is affecting our lives. Yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it has to. As you'll say yourself, it has changed the way you look at things. The rest of everybody, the permanent in this case, it certainly so. That's why. So, have you been writing much over the over the virus period, really, self happy or bits and pieces? Yeah, one one of I've one or two poems have come out. Um, uh, one, one called the new normal, which uh, <laughs> just seemed like such a, such a phrase, isn't it? The new normal. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> Everyone and of course everyone's got their own vision of what the new normal will be or what it should be. Um, so you know, I found that fascinating. Yeah. There's, there's some of the stuff is is almost uh, there's there's stuff going on now that I know I will write about that I, that's almost just too huge right now to. I, I you know I I I need time to process. I mean, what's going on in in the US at the moment? Uh, amidst all this, you know, terrifying, it's absolutely terrifying, terrifying, terrifying stuff. And I'm, I'm sure that 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 will, uh, um, you know, hopefully in a positive way, inspire uh, um, creativity at a late stage. But at the moment, it's just it's too raw and it's yeah. too. There in your face. I've got. A, I've known somebody so that used to from the band I used to years ago. That's lived in Texas. And they were telling me on Facebook recently, they have actually a restaurant that they all got burnt down, basically. Right. Because like, just with the sheer riots kicking off. And the, they basically are like employed loads and lots of staff and all kinds of activity rates and stuff. And they just kicked off up the road from there. And the restaurant went, came back, came back to work the next morning. It wasn't there. <laughs> uh, it's, it's terrible. I mean, that's, it is, it's an awful thing. There, there's definitely, you know, it's this awful thing, unfortunately, that people end up, um, protesting in their own neighbourhoods, and then things get out of hand, and and their own neighbourhoods end up getting burned, which is the opposite of what should be happening. Right, just, uh, but just, it's a yeah, terrible situation. Just um, everybody involved. Right? Let's hope it calms down shortly. Certainly. So. Absolutely. Now, what plans do you think you have for the future, then, Craig? Do you have any more ideas for any more music coming up, or would well, you like to perhaps your book even? I. I I've absolutely, and and in, in a funny way, this period has sort of um, has helped me with that because I, 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 I record. I went into um, my yeah. My wife's got this little summer house at the bottom of the garden, 
Oh yeah. I've taken it over as a recording studio. Sounds good time there to me, mate. <laughs> so a big shout out and big love to my wife for allowing me to do that. But um, so I, uh, because I couldn't get together with any of my kind of musical compadres, I decided to record a little album in isolation. And because it was just me, um, that album has ended up being five poems and six songs. I think it's something like that. Anyway, but, but a, a genuine combination. Um, and, I've, and I've loved doing that. And actually, I think post-lockdown, I want to con continue to not keep, keep things in their own little boxes. Um, I'm also a, I'm a, I'm a big, um, a very keen lo-fi photographer. I, I, like, I like what they call lomography. So I, I, uh, I use very cheap plastic cameras and, and love trying to get great shots. And, and, I, and I love this idea post-lockdown of, of not keeping these things in their little boxes, but trying to actually combine and, and find a way of, of allowing them to breathe next to each other in, in performance, whether that be live or, or on a page or in an exhibition. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely the same point, but talk about all these lo-fi recordings. I can certainly see here, I know you bought an album out in April, didn't you? Mouse Club Virus. Yes. Which yes. is obviously a big hint on basically the way you where you worked for you then basically, didn't it? So was it quite a quick album to do this one, was it, did you buy it? Um, yeah. <laughs> it, well, I did it over about over the course of about two weeks. Um, but I did it very very much it, the, the the technique is is like a kind of old field recordings, but instead of a um, a, an old reel to reel, I've just got a very simple MP3 recorder. So that that's all it's recorded on. Um, and I just set up in, in a shed um, with the, the guitar and vocals going through a very small amp just to give them a little bit of edge. And it's that simple. It's that simple. Um, uh, and uh, but yeah, it was it was it was nice. It was it was not, and and actually then being able to to place poems next to the songs and find a, an order and a sense and a flow to it was, was really interesting to do. Um, something I haven't really done before. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Excellent. Now I'm saying, do you have any sort of plans you want to do next then? Do you think you would, you want to do another album of Mouse Club Virus Blues or you're not sure yet? Possibly, possibly. I definitely, I mean, I, what I want to do is, is probably play around with the idea of, 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 uh, of doing sets which are perhaps 50-50 poetry and music and, and play with those ideas. And I think, I think an order and a sense will come through um, which will inspire, will, will inspire another album. And I think, I'll, I think, it, I think I'll, it will improve my writing muscle as well, having that in mind. Because um, I think, I think where, there's, nothing, there's nothing like kind of knowing that you've got performances coming up where you can use new material and try new material to enfuse you to, to actually get on and <laughs> put that put pen to paper. So yeah, yeah. okay, agree with you completely. Having any sort of project you do as an artist, whatever form, you've got to it always has to be a development in it, doesn't it? It has to be like a movement where you move on to something. And we don't because yeah. all all creative people never you can never stand still. I can see that you're like that sort of person. You've always been there, you've moved along, haven't you? Constantly trying to new ideas all the time. Yeah. Perfect way of doing it. So if people want to find out more about you, where would the best go? Um, well, there's I'm I'm on all those sort of places, but the the um, 
the, the best place, honestly, for, I think for your audience to, to, to come and come and find us is is at the Poetry Underground on Facebook. Um, and because because I'm the, the facilitator, the, the admin at that page, you can find me through that page. Um, but uh, but also, as, as, as you mentioned, the, um, uh, the the recordings, including the poetry recordings, you'll find me at Bandcamp, which is Gray J Wall. So that's G R A E J W A W -L, L dot Bandcamp dot com. Um, so so yeah, face, Facebook or or, uh, or or Bandcamp are the best places. I'm, I'm on Instagram, but I don't I don't do much there. I'm on Instagram. I'm John the club. Mine's just bad, just put rubbish on Instagram, so I know you, I know what you mean. So. <laughs> Brilliant. And that's all the questions anyway, so what we're going to do, guys and girls, we'll let Gray get himself prepared for a couple of poems for us. We'll be right back to you in a few minutes. So hang around, everybody. It's been a great chat today. Thank you, Gray. See you all in a minute. Thanks. Spock on me. Hi, guys. Okay, still here with Gray. He's going to do a couple of poems for us, and... The plan is, well, he's gonna, I'm going to put on a couple of tracks from his last album as well as a bonus at the end of the session. So we'll come on to that in a minute. Over to you, Gray, my friend. Thanks. So um, the first one I'm going to do is a, is a poem called Breathe. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a poem I, I literally wrote on a train journey heading down to Catalonia to play some gigs with a, a friend of mine. Um, and and, it, and it, I, I'm, I'm sh hopefully it's one of those things that will resonate with... Uh, people about coming through uh, a, a feeling of anxiety and coming out the other end. But any, anyway, as I say, it's called Breathe. A minor blip, a small setback, a little shake where a shake shouldn't be. Did anyone see? And breathe. The train travels relentlessly towards the Spanish border. It's dark outside and I've slept for a few hours. Take a photograph through the window. No idea where we are, but as good a place as any to freeze a moment. Intermittently, we speed through a sleeping station, ochre shadows and lamplit stairs. For a second there, the silhouettes of houses. Perhaps in one sits a man who cannot sleep. The only sound to break his silent contemplation being the muffled thunder of the occasional night train. After some while, hairline cracks of red on the horizon begin to break black. Vague outline clouds and ghost trees, fences, fields, graffiti on a bus shelter, as grey turns to brown and yellow to green. The blur past stations now possess occasional familiarity, as stations often do, kindly and reminiscent of past adventure. The train slows as it crosses the border. Little changes outside except the signage, but sleepy-eyed within our carriage, a sense of quiet contentment awaits. A new day in a new land. I alight at Port Boo and watch as the train pulls onwards. Stretch and smile at the cat outside the cafeteria door. Link up at the church and the blue-grey vista of rolling Catalonia. 45 minutes until the train to Figueres. Time for coffee. I rummage for my notebook and pen and turn to a fresh page. I place the pen in readiness beside the book. Sit back. Breathe. Excellent. Yeah, I got I got the feel of the real journey in that piece. So yeah, I got beautiful stuff that was. So that's a really good piece. Now, okay, what's Thanks. number two then? Great. Okay. Um, okay. We'll uh, we'll do we'll do we'll do this one. 
well, I'll tell you what, the next one I'm going to do, this was, this is one, and so I spoke a little bit about my, uh, my sort of childhood influences earlier, and um, this, this was not written when I was a kid, but written uh, looking back to some extent, back to those, those days, and this is called Barely Talking. The dog was going slowly blind and you were barely talking. The wood yard on a Saturday morning was overexposed to summer delight. The brakes on my bicycle were shot with the bottom of the hill approaching fast. Blackjacks and fruit salads, flying saucers and a sherbet bed. Charlie George at the petrol station drew a crowd of Kodak kids while the Rubettes played a matinee show of sweet sugar baby love. The vicar's daughter and I had little to say, but still a date was a date. The film club showed Puppet on a chain. It was light as I walked you to your door. No one saw it coming, least of all me. And by the time it did, the dog had died and you were barely talking. Excellent, yeah. I've got, I like the fact there we have bought the title of the poem right at the end of it. I think it's, it brings the piece full circle to me. And yeah, excellent. That was really, really evocative. It's one of those, what I, I for, for certain people, the, I, they won't know what blackjacks and fruit salads are. You have to be a certain age, don't you? Well, yeah, I do. I'm old enough to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say there. So. <laughs> okay, mate. What's the third piece, Empress? Okay. I'll do something kind of positive because I, 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 don't, I don't want everything to be depressing and dark. I'll, I'll, I'll do a, something that's, that's a, relatively, a relatively positive piece. Um, so this is, called, this is called One Simple Day. It's a cortado at Charlie's, sunshine on a September day, the sound of Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. It's like a heat wave. It's the kiss you didn't expect, the smile that melts your heart, the moment that an ending becomes a brand new start. It's the CD in the mail you forgot you'd even ordered, the selfless act of kindness, the plane that has been boarded, the flight to new adventure, the culture to explore, the silence in the gallery, the painting on the wall, the vista from the balcony, the river's ebb and flow. It's knowing when to speak out and knowing when to go. It's the solitary vino beneath the railway arch, the warmth of meditation and the changing of the path. It's peppermint and chamomile, it's sandalwood and sage, the cat that sits upon you, the turning of the page. It's a day that has been lived, it's a peace within the night. It's the closing of a chapter, like turning off the light. It's the whistling of the wind outside, the coolness of the sheets. It's exhaling oh so gently as you slowly fall asleep. Ooh, again, the tone at the end of it is really, really good, your piece there, because you're very, very good at the end, obviously, finishing the end, the end ends off like that. No, oh, excellent stuff again. Now, I think you were doing one more poem for us today, weren't you, or I'm, or I'm imagining things? I can, I can, I can. Quite happy to do. Um, yeah. Give, uh, give us a big finale then, and we'll talk a little bit about your album after that as well. Okay? Oh my god, okay. Uh, big finale. <laughs> I, like, I like that word. You're a musician. Musicians are used to big finales. Well, aren't it's they, so? true. Yeah, yeah. I, let me have a look. Um, okay. Um, yeah, let's do this then. So the, I'll, I'll, I'll finish off with this one. Um, this, is, this is a thing called We. <laughs> Plain and simple. Um, okay. We live for cheap supermarkets with international stock. The reticent middle class of Middle England. We worry about the wars and the parking charges, the discriminatory nature of our government's bills. We squabble when the money is tight and bicker over our working class ancestry. 
We are civilly disobedient when the situation calls and obediently civil to lax waiters and traffic wardens. We cry in private when our loved ones die from inexplicable cancers and look into the eyes of our pets for condolence. We have friends on the continent, we are citizens of the world, yet we avoid certain streets in our beloved hometown. The fairy lights in the garden provide a grotto to no god whilst our scented candles enhance our well-being. We contemplate the gym, yet it remains a foreign land. Part-time Buddhists with Catholic guilt, we only discuss the other face behind closed doors for fear of offending or being considered politically incorrect. We log on to our social media in fear that the virtual world might move on without us. Hashtag LOLWTF, pills to keep us awake and pills to help us sleep. Therapy is the new normality, caffeine free and embracing our anxiety. Our illness is never discussed, our distress remains publicly concealed. We are 21st century, alone and dying, history in the making, a minor experiment in paranoia and as normal as the rest. Our past rewritten by paedophile TV presenters. Press, delete, erase, eradicate, reinvent. We're okay, can't complain. The future is bright, future is unwritten. Turn off the lights when you leave. Life is a game show and love is the prize. We are all extras and the camera is rolling. Everything is available on catch-up, free view and pay-to-play. Photoshopped and auto-tuned to within an inch. Text me sometime. Smiley face. L-U-V-X. Great stuff. That's a brilliant way to finish off the recorded buds of it, Gray. Yeah, really, really good piece up. Indeed, so it's a great, definitely the big finale that I would say there. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> right, okay, seriously, before we let you go, Obviously, we're going to put on, obviously, as two extra pieces, two tracks from Mouse Club Virus Blues. Tell yeah. people a little bit about the waiting lounger and then also the bomb as well. We should have both extra tracks coming in the feature. Yeah, for sure. So the waiting lounge was a piece that I literally wrote in an airport waiting lounge. Um, and it was inspired by that, that feeling that this one little room was like a, a microcosm of the entire world. Um, and it actually, reminds, there's, there's a film by um, Louis Bunuel in which uh, there's this kind of bourgeois dinner party and, and nobody is able to leave the room. They're all stuck in this room. Um, and it, it felt a bit like that, that, it, that, that in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an awful funny way, I was going to, we could be living in the waiting lounge for the rest of our lives. That's a depressing oh. thing. Yeah, it? yeah, it's a good metaphor. It's a good metaphor, really. Definitely. So, yeah. Now, what's the bomb about? Yes. <laughs> the bomb, I kind of don't want to put too many spoilers in there, but, but it's the, the, uh, the, I love the, what's nice about the bomb is that people might imagine that it's going to be um, perhaps me being, being all urban terrorist and gorilla, and actually it's the opposite of that. So that's all I'm going to say. Perfect. Well, that's our same for today, Greg. So it's been a fantastic session. I've really enjoyed today. So hang around. I need a quick word of your mic. Well, thank you again. It's been a pleasure today chatting to you and meeting you. So. Thanks ever so much. It's been a pleasure. I take care, guys and girls. Stay safe. Stay safe if possible. See you all soon. Take care. Bye. Spock on me.
Damaged and snowbound, awaiting recovery, eyes seared from jungle fires and late nights of penetrating darkness. The waiting lounge is Cold War grey, paranoia and caffeine frazzle. We regret to announce the gabardine hyenas at the bar are starting early. I'll potmark bravado and shaven rash smiles. They shuffle uncomfortably and I with suspicion are the lone star cruisers and lovelong dreamers. Combination cases of guilt and repression all bloodshot and static and longing all dreams for purchase in a war-torn world the sad-eyed lady sings from the walls fluffed and fakery clean and calm sorrow for sale through the neon buzz duty-free and sweet perfumed floating past the newsstand roll call disarming sugar light the cameras are rolling we stare at the monitors, unable to leave the waiting lounge until our gate is called. Spotlight. If I don't turn on the TV, will the ugliness cease to exist? Pregnant woman stoned to death, grieving parents left bereft. 200 schoolchildren spirited away. The shrapnel shards penetrate and pervade each waking day, every day. The pontiff surveys the holy war and genuflects. If you tolerate this, then your children will shop at next. If I had the know-how to make a single thing, a bomb it would be of love and peace and understanding to drop within this tortured planet's heart so when I awoke a joyous new day could start. But making such a thing would surely be too hard and then I'm no inventor, just a lowly bard. But if you seek a hope within my words, then I can offer some. Wake up tomorrow, dearest friend, and simply be that bomb. Spotlight.